You're listening to Wordslinger Podcast, episode 120, The Very Necessary Life of Christine Catherine Rush. This episode of the Wordslinger Podcast is brought to you by draft to digital Convert your manuscript, distribute it online, and get support the whole way at drafttodigital.com. It's the Wordslinger Podcast, where story matters. Build your brand, write your book, redefine who you are. It's all about the story here. What's yours? Now, here's the guy who invented pants optional, Kevin Tomlinson, the Wordslinger. Wordslinger. Hey, everybody. This is Kevin Tomlinson, the Wordslinger. Um, if you tuned in expecting to hear someone else, I, I don't know how to help you. <laughs> So, uh, thanks for tuning in. Okay, um, lots of things going on. I'm actually going to be flying out uh, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, so, okay, let me let me back up. So, right now, right this second, I'm recording this on Thursday, uh, July 13th, 2017, if you're listening way, way in the future. Um, and uh, normally I would, because uh, I'm unorganized and somewhat lazy, I would record on the day the show airs, uh, which would be Friday the 14th. However, uh, on the 14th, I'm going to be flying out pretty early in the morning, <laughs> and I'm uh, headed for Colorado Springs. I'm going to meet up with some authors there, and um, and while I'm there, I'm going to hook up with my good friend and writing partner, Nick Thacker. Uh, we're going to have some uh, dinner, we're going to have some drinks, we're going to talk some talk, We're gonna. it's going to be a good weekend, so... Looking forward to that. If you're one of the authors I'm going to be meeting this weekend, uh, hello. <laughs> make sure you uh, make sure you uh, you know say hello to me and uh, you know tell me you heard this podcast, which will be weird because uh, I, I don't think it'll it'll air. It'll it's going to air. It's going to be scheduled to air uh, before I get there, so we'll see. <clears throat> I doubt you'll I doubt you'll hear it, but hello after then. So anyway, um, got that. Uh, other announcements in on the draft to digital front. We are now. This is cool. This is very cool. We are uh, our partnership with Findaway, uh, Findaway Voices. That partnership goes live as of July 18th, uh, which I believe is Tuesday. Yes, I'm going to just say Tuesday and commit to it, as if I am uh, absolutely certain. But yes, uh, if you are an author, uh, or you know, even if you haven't written a book yet. Here's something you need to consider. Audiobooks are a huge growing market. They're a great opportunity for an additional stream of income. Um, they do have some overhead, but uh, it, you might be able to uh, get an audiobook pulled together at very little cost. If you listened in on my interview with Kelly Lytle, uh, that would have been episode 119. You heard all about this, and uh, there, there's some really great opportunities here. So, for the authors in the crowd, uh, definitely check into this. Uh, you'll see announcements going out. You'll see email announcements. You'll see uh, social media. Uh, ping me if you want. I will answer any questions you have. <clears throat> this is a this is a great. This partnership is going to be uh, phenomenal. I can't wait to see what people do. I, I'm I, people are creative. Authors in particular are creative, and uh, with new resources and new tools, there's there's no limit to what they'll figure out how to do. <laughs> And this is a for the first time we got a no gatekeeper kind of entry point to creating audiobooks. So um, I'm excited about it. I have some plans of my own. I'm going to pull some things together, see if I can get more audiobooks out into the world. Uh, very interested in this. So 
check check in on that. Uh, stay tuned to, to see what else uh, happens. Um, <clears throat> more upcoming events. Uh, most of the stuff that I'm going to be involved in is coming up in September. So we're a little early um, to announce some of this. And I'll, I'll try to announce some uh, as I get closer. But September is going to be one hell of a month. <laughs> it's going to be a rough month. September, early October... I am uh, mostly, uh, okay, so I'm at conferences. Um, now, I have been invited to attend the uh, Salt Lake City Comic Con, but for a very special reason. I'll, I'll be, uh, so I, I think, I, I may actually end up being a panelist there. I think I'm on a couple of panels now. Uh, we'll see. But in addition to that, I've been invited to be on the Writing Excuses podcast. Uh, very cool. Very excited about that. Uh, you know, that's a big, that's a big one. That's got, you know, Brandon Sanderson and, uh, and Mary, uh, Robinette Kowal, who, by the way, I have interviewed and you will hear in an upcoming episode of the words on your podcast. So it all works out very well. <laughs> so that's big. Um, <clears throat> in addition to that, I'll be attending the, uh, I'll be attending Indie Palooza, which is, um, here in the Houston area, so Rice, that's at Rice University, uh, big indie author uh, conference. Um, looking forward to that. That's going to be kind of exciting to to meet some of those folks, locals. You know, I mean, I'm I'm kind of here. I'm kind of home basing here in the Houston area now. So very cool to meet some local authors. Uh, don't don't really get to do that much, believe it or not. I, I think I meet more authors on the road than I actually meet at home. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's got to be a few thousand of you guys hanging out here. So shout out, man. Let's get coffee and booze and stuff. Why aren't we doing that? Um, uh, beyond that, I have, uh, let's see, Indie Book Fest in uh, Orlando. Uh, that'll be in September. And uh, Sharp on its heels. Right after that, like two days later, I will be at Nink, uh, which will extend the rest of September and into the first week of October. Whew. That is a lot of conferences. <laughs> That's a lot. September is going to go by in a blur, man. I, I don't even... Uh, and I may die of alcohol poisoning because you authors like to drink, man. <laughs> so that'll be cool, though. Uh, if you're going to be at any of those events, please look me up. Say hi. Um, I've had some folks uh, reach out wanting to uh, have me sign some books. Uh, I'm happy to do that. Uh, one... Uh, one uh, reader in particular lives actually here in the uh, Houston area, and Katie. So uh, she reached out. Uh, we didn't get to connect at the um, at Comic Palooza, unfortunately. So uh, we're gonna make some arrangements and sign some books for her. So very cool. I love doing that kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so let's get let's get on with some stuff. Uh, if you have listened at all uh, in the past, uh, unless this is your first episode, you've probably heard this, the interview I did with. Uh, Dean Wesley Smith. That was episode 116. That was a few weeks ago. I believe that was June 9th. Yep, there it is. So uh, June 9th, episode 116, Riding Into the Dark with Dean Wesley Smith. Um, if you haven't gotten to listen to that, go check it out. It was a it was a great interview. Uh, Dean and I share uh, a philosophy or two on uh, on how to write a book and how to publish and the best strategy for that. Uh, but close on on that, I mean, uh, his partner in crime, his wife, Christine Catherine Rush, is a huge advocate for independent publishing. Uh, she runs a blog that answers a lot of questions for folks. 
been a big fan of hers for a long time as well. You know, of course, she's a New York Times and Wall Street Journal and USA Today best-selling author. <laughs> these are all these are all handy uh, labels to be able to slap on at the end of your name. Um, but today, I'm going to be chatting with her, and uh, I'm very excited about it. Um, you'll you'll get a lot out of this interview, and one of the things you'll get out of it is just how hard she works. I. I She's, you know, like, like Dean, I mean, they're into so much and they, but what I love is the aspect of them giving back. They, uh, they understand the community. They understand the needs of the authors out there. Um, and they, they build things meant specifically to help authors succeed. And I, I'm, of course, you know me, I mean, that's, that's right in my wheelhouse. So, uh, I was very excited. So stick around after the interview, we'll do some housekeeping, get a few things out of the way. Um, trying to make sure I don't soak up all your time up front. I know you guys are skipping some of that, and I don't mind. I do not mind. <laughs> but stick around anyway if you can. Uh, and uh, for now, let's hop in on this very great uh, interview with a very wonderful person, Christine Catherine Rush, and I'll see you on the other side. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And You know, I have... Uh, there are... People in the industry that um, you just inevitably you're going to come across their name or, or their work or both, uh, and this is one of those people. I'm talking to Christine Catherine Rush. Now she is among many other titles. She's the author of The Runabout, uh, one of her current ongoing series. She's got a lot of exciting things to talk to you about, and I can't wait till you can hear all of it. Um, but she's a New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and USA Today best-selling writer. Uh, the, among other things, and you do your, you have your blog as well, which is just a, that's a standard in the publishing industry. So Christina, I am very glad to have you on the show. Thanks for coming. Thanks for asking me, Kevin. You know, I, uh, of course I have to follow your blog. It's just part of the, uh, DNA of, of being in the industry now, uh, especially as, as part of my gig at draft to digital. Um, I, so I, I want to talk about that, but I also want to just talk about your work in general. I, I I'd love to just kind of hear your background, like how you how you came to this and and what your history is. So, how did you come to be a writer? I think I was born to be a writer. Um, <laughs> I come from a family of uh, a strange family in that um, my parents had my older siblings twenty years before they had me, and so uh, that my earliest memories are of being in a house full of adults where they were reading and I wanted to play. And they kept saying, no, no, we're reading. So, you know, my, my personal um, amateur psychological idea is that I just needed to have attention. So I became a writer. <laughs> <laughs> that could be the origin story of most of the authors I've ever met, actually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I, I can't remember a time when I didn't want to be a writer. So yeah. I, you know, but like all writers, I thought you couldn't make a living at fiction. So I became a journalist. Mm -hmm. um, and I was the news director of a radio station in the Midwest. I wrote for an awful lot of publications. I was a business reporter as well. And so that kind of informs the blog. You know, it all circles around. Because right. I have this huge interest in, in that. I was a history major in college because my father was a college professor. And I realized pretty early on um, that there were some degrees that were worth the time and some that weren't. And, um, I, you know, he felt that an English degree got you to be a professor. Um, a history degree also got you to be a professor, but I was interested in history, and I wanted to use that to inform my writing, and I was already working as a journalist while I was in college. That's how I paid my way through school. 
So um, I, I was already a writer. I just needed the uh, the other stuff. Yeah. And that's what I did. And um, I started selling stories in my 20s. I sold my first novel, um, gosh, in my 20s. Um, so I've been around for a long time, but I'm not as old as everybody thinks I am. <laughs> now, you started in your 20s, so that's what? You've been in this for like six months then is what you're saying. I have, yeah. It's only been <laughs> a few weeks, and I think it may work out. It could, you could have a future, kid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, – you know what's funny about your, your story? I mean, it's it it's so familiar <laughs> because it, it, I hear uh, – so my story is similar. Most of the authors I talk to have similar stories or are, – are, sort of a certain segment of our population, I guess. Like we all started in about the same place. And uh, so, I, but it is fascinating. So you had the same sort of holdback that a lot of us have, which is, you know, I want to write, but who can make money selling fiction? So you go into as close to you as you can get. <laughs> is that basically yeah. the idea? That was it. Well, I also, I grew up in the Watergate era. So, right. you know, journalists were heroes. Yeah. So there was that too. Um, and so it was an exciting job and it was fun, but my heart was in fiction and also, um, I, I'm an introvert. So being a reporter was kind of the opposite of what I should have been. <laughs> <laughs> right. It took a lot of guts for me to go out and ask people questions. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, and that's also interesting. So you, you basically, your job helped you overcome your introvert tendencies. Uh, no, eventually my introvert tendencies won and I became a full-time fiction <laughs> Yeah, they reasserted themselves, reclaimed you. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. So, but do you, uh, this is almost a loaded question because I feel like I probably know the answer, but I mean, do you feel like your journalism career, uh, informed your fiction writing? Absolutely. And I'm, I, I still have a lot of contacts in that world. Right. So I'm always, I mean, just before I, I um, started talking to you, I was, going through my various information sources for the news and, and looking at stuff and getting up to date on what's going on today. And yeah. I don't need to do that. I'm not running a newscast anymore. Um, right, but right. I do, it's, it's reflexive. It's there. And it really informs my fiction, particularly the Chris Nelscott fiction, even though it's set in the past, uh -huh. a lot of science fiction has, um, its origins in news. Um, and, uh, then, you know, um, uh, I'm, I'm doing some other projects that do as well. And it enabled me to do the research I need to do for the blog. My, my blog is nonfiction um, about publishing. Right. And I would be doing this anyway for me um, because the industry is changing. But it, was, it just felt natural to start sharing it with everybody else and just putting it down. And once I learned, once I started doing that, I learned that all my readers have information that they can share too. Right. And so I'm learning more from them than they're probably learning from me. Right. So you, since you brought up the blog, I mean, what what was the motivation there? What tell tell me a little about the blog in case people okay. don't blog, foolishly don't read it. The blog started <laughs> in 2009 in April, okay. and I had just had lunch with Scott William Carter and uh, Michael Totten. Michael J. Totten makes a living off of his nonfiction blog. Um, and they were explaining the new world of publishing to me and Dean. And uh, we had this long lunch about it and everything. We were already kind of interested in, in, you know, the Kindle stuff and everything else. But Michael's talking about blogs. And I, and you have to understand, remember, that this was in the middle of the recession, the really bad 
the right. housing crisis and everything else. And I had been planning for years to write a book for freelancers because I watched so many people go freelance and fail. Um, and it's a hard thing to do. And so I was going to write this book and the, um, the housing crisis hit and I went, oh, no, I missed my window. Because most people, when they get laid off from their job, if they ever thought of freelancing, start the day they get laid off their job, right. which is not necessarily the best way to start, but you can make it work. Right. And I realized after talking to Michael and Scott that I could just write the book on the blog. It would be out there. People would get the information and um, maybe they would donate a buck or two. Yeah. Well, I had planned a 40,000 word nonfiction book, kind of the size of those Writer's Digest books. And the thing ended up being like 150,000 words because people kept asking questions, good ones. Have you considered right. this? Have you done that? Um, how do we do this? What's going on? And so I ended up writing the Freelancer Survival Guide in a year and a half every week on my blog. And when I was done, I went, okay, now what am I going to write about? And by that point, I was already exploring all the changes that were going on in publishing. And I inadvertently found myself in the forefront of a whole bunch of them. Yeah. So. I started writing about that, and that was the genesis of the blog. I took a six-month hiatus a few years ago because I was trying to finish up a huge book series, and I just didn't have the time to do anything else. And then I came back, and I, I just on Sunday wrote the 127th blog of the comeback. That means I haven't missed a week for 127 weeks. Nice. I cannot say the same. <laughs> <laughs> So, now I'm sure that the, you know, the journalist in you, that's part of the, of what's uh, fueling the discipline for coming back to the blog every week. But, um, you know, what are some of the ways that, I mean, this is kind of side, side rail, but I'm always interested. Like, what are some of the ways that you're keeping on track and keeping discipline about blogging? Everybody else. Um, I know that people read the blog. I know they expect it. I know I have a deadline and I try to have it I have a lot of international readers, so it's a Thursday blog, and I try to have it up before midnight on Wednesday my time, yeah. so that that's, it hits about 9 in the morning in England. I'm, I'm not going to make it for the, the folks in Australia, but I, I tend to make it on Thursday for um, the folks in, the, in Europe. Yeah. Um, and uh, so there's that. I also started up a few months ago because I've been nagged to death. <laughs> I started up the Patreon, uh, our Patreon thing for the blog only. Um, and, uh, I try to have material up for them too. And, and that sometimes I write blogs ahead, um, because I know I'm going to have a busy week or I'm teaching or something. And, uh, so I put the blogs up the minute I finish them and uh, I try to finish them on Sunday. That doesn't always work, especially if I'm doing research heavy ones, but, um, I, I do my best and I try yeah. to get them up and they go up on Patreon first and then they go up, um, on, uh, my website for free, um, on Wednesday night. Um, right now on Patreon, I have a blog that uh, the Patreon people can read that nobody else can read, and it'll probably be on Patreon all by itself for a, about a month and a half because I'm doing a blog series, and that doesn't fit in the blog series, so it's just yeah. going to sit. Okay. And uh, that happens. Um, and uh, I also I need to know stuff. That's I yeah. think that's journalistic impulse in me. I need to know what's going on. Yeah. And this gives me an excuse. And it also gives me a way to find out things. And since I've been doing it for so long, so many people um, come to me first with this happened or that happened or right. here's 
this piece of research. So I'm almost an investigative journalist these days, which is weird because I I, I kind of wanted to be, but I never thought I had the chops. So yeah. <laughs> it's happening now. And the yeah. chops, by that I mean, you know, I'm such an introvert and you have to go out and do stuff. Well, it's coming to me right now. Right. So that's, that's nice. Yeah, that's uh, – so after two or three years of doing this, this show, for example – I, I don't have to go hunting for guests anymore necessarily. I mean, I do approach people that I want to talk to, but nine times out of 10, my guests came to me. So it's kind of, it's kind of nice when you, you know, when you're developing something that people really appreciate, uh, suddenly they want to help you develop it. That's kind of handy. <laughs> it's nice. And, and the reason I'm on Patreon is because of my readers, a bunch right. of them wanting to support it all the time. They, they, I have a donate button and they didn't want to hit it every week. They wanted to just set an amount and go yeah. and PayPal has a thing for that, but they didn't want to do that. They said, do Patreon, do Patreon. And I'm like, okay, let me investigate. So I investigated, went, okay, this works for my blog. It doesn't yeah. work for fiction because I'm weird. Yeah. Um, and it gets in the way of my process, but it works for my blog. Yeah. So. I'm so lazy about Patreon. <laughs> I, I feel like I, I owe a public apology to everybody who donates on Patreon. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I, <laughs> thank you so much for, for supporting me, even though, um, so your, uh, you know, your, your content, your blog content is just, um, it's go to, you know, I mean, it's, it, my, so I, 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 you know, I'm with draft to digital and, uh, we have a Slack channel. I don't know if you use Slack, uh, but it's like a communication, uh, tool and, uh, you know, maybe three or four times a week, you know, someone's sharing something that. If it's not directly from your blog, someone was quoting your blog. So oh. <laughs> you're out there. <laughs> you can, I'm just you can, doing my office every Sunday, kind of hoping something is going to be interesting. You're, you're earning those Patreon dollars. That's what you're doing. You, you've got it. Um, so what? And it is kind of like you know investigative journalism, which is something I think a lot of us appreciate because a lot of times when you come across information about the industry, it's you know it's it's conjecture. You know, but uh, we can count on you for facts. So thank you. Thank you. Well, that's that's the journalist in me. In fact, I keep files. Uh, if yeah. I can't back, I, I use the old Woodward and Bernstein thing. Yeah. If there's not two sources on it, then, yeah. uh, well, I, I will actually put it in if there's not two sources these days, if I can verify if it came from the horse's mouth. Right. But um, otherwise, if there's not two different sources that I can find on it, then I don't use it. That's good practice. That's that's good best practice. I uh, I I was in I was a journalist for a short a brief time. Um, mostly, uh, I was editorial stuff. But uh, I that is good practice. So you're aside from the blog, you've got <laughs> you're okay. Look, you're a writer, so writers have this thing where they overcommit to a thousand different projects, and you. <laughs> You are apparently uh, no different. So what, let's tell me about a few of the other things you got kind of in the fire. Well, right now I'm in the middle of, I, I mentioned that a couple of years ago I did a big se book series. That was my retrieval artist series. I, yeah. I My brain serves me up now that we're in this different world of publishing. It serves me up these big sagas. <laughs> and I did an eight book saga inside my series. Okay. Um, called Anniversary Day, and um, I thought, oh, I'm glad that's done, so now I can turn my attention to my diving universe, which is a science fiction universe, it's won all kinds of awards and done all kinds of stuff, so I started that, and sure enough, the brain just handed me another saga inside the series, so that's what I've been working on. That's an interesting idea, I hadn't really 
thought about like that that reminds me of sort of the comic book model where they'll have one ongoing series but there'll be like little through line stories is that kind of the way it works it's exactly the way it works because yeah. um, you know you, you have the one-offs and everything else and and that's what traditional publishing is set up for it's set up for one-offs right um and it doesn't do series very well but the new world when you're doing it yourself or you're doing it through a company that you're associated with yeah you can do series, and you can do it the right way. And what I do is, um, generally speaking, I write everything first, and then I put it out there because yeah. I write out of order, which is just a lovely feature of my writing habits. <laughs> um, and so I never know. I, I just sold a, a novella yesterday to Asimov's, and it wasn't until – and I wrote it earlier this year, and it wasn't until – Yesterday, when I was putting this saga together, that I realized, oh, that's four books in. That's that's the opening part to something I haven't even written yet. Four <laughs> books. <away. laughs> uh, I okay. I mean, I, I no, I don't write out of order, but <laughs> that's you are lucky. That's impressive. <laughs> I don't know. You maybe are. you're the one, you know, selling stuff to Asimov. I haven't done that yet. So yeah, um, well, it'll be a while. Yeah. So you're okay. You. You've got that. Um, I've got that. I also write romance with Christine Grayson, which yeah. I'm sorry, Grayson readers, I haven't got there yet. Um, <laughs> I need to get to that. Um, I write uh, historical non or historical fiction, uh, which is mystery noir, basically detective right. fiction, as Chris Nelscott. And I have a big book coming out um, at the end of the year um, in under the Nelscott name. So wow. I'm excited about that. How, how many pen names do you write under? Uh, quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically, every, everyone you've read in the past year is actually <laughs> Christine <It's me>. Catherine <laughs> Rush. <laughs> so, I'm ladies and gentlemen, sure. James Patterson, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only he'd share his money. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Uh, he's he's splitting, splitting things up with Bill Clinton right now. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, how do you... I, you know... I only write under my name. I've considered pen names, but I, I don't want to have to embrace the marketing for a whole other brand. Uh, oh, it's a nightmare. I bet. <laughs> and so, I mean, how do you keep it all straight? How do you do that? How do you do the work? That's what I want to know. Well, I'll answer and say I'm, I'm going to cough from this cold, I'm afraid. No, that's fine. <coughs> that's fine. <laughs> um, well, because I got my start in traditional publishing, that's why I have these different pen names. Um, mm -hmm. because romance, traditional publishing thinks romance readers don't read science fiction and right. science fiction readers don't read mystery. And so, you know, I read everything. So I was writing all these things and, um, Nell Scott and Grayson became writers that had their own careers Okay. or everything changed. And so, you know, abandoning them was just not worthwhile. Right. Um, I had a couple other pen names that worked out or didn't work out and a couple with Dean that we retired. Um, and, uh, you know, that's different. It's, it's kind of a pain to have more than one name. Um, yeah. because they all have, they're all different brands. Um, Rush is a catch all. I write everything under that name. And I think my readers know that, um, Nelscott just really writes in the late sixties and the early seventies in America. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Grayson is, is, wacky weird funny paranormal romance which had i started those books 10 years ago or five years ago in this different world they would be rush books but they're yeah. not yeah so 
know, she's an award-winning romance writer and, and uh, has this big following over there, so I, I keep that going. Um, and uh, it, it does require, it. you have to treat them like different people. Yeah. And it requires a whole different touch. I know there are some readers that don't want to read anything but Chris Nelscott. Um, so that's what... That's very interesting. And by the way, I, I found on Wikipedia a list of all your pen names that I'll have to share. <laughs> I found a list of some of my pen names. Some of your pen names. Okay. I found an, <laughs> in, an incomplete list. <laughs> How sad. <laughs> is there is there like a, a complete list somewhere out in the universe? Not in the universe, no. Okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. Okay. Oh, good, good, good question. Yeah. There should be. You should have a. You know, do you think that you're, if you were to, sort of, uh, and not that you have to out yourself or whatever. I mean, I think pretty much people know that these are pen names, right? Or no? Are there people who no. don't know? Well, I think they know that Chris Scott and Christine Grayson are pen names. There are okay. some that they don't know. Okay. So you're, uh, yeah. I mean, do you think that your audience would would, you know, if they discovered that you know this is all rush i mean would they you know forgive the pun but rush to your work i mean would that be the case or do you think that they'd still stick with their genre or no i i don't think readers stick with their genre i think they stick with a writer but they they stick with a certain aspect of the writer whatever they like i mean yeah. i think king is one of the best writers who has ever lived and i'm not a fan of the dark tower series yeah. so y'all read it um but i read everything else he does yeah um and i think readers are that I'm not. I don't think I'm unique as a reader. I think they're that discriminating. They, there are some people you read everything they write, and there are some people you read half of what they write. Yeah. And some people you read only if the moon is full on every other Thursday in an odd numbered year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I feel the same way. I mean, I when I read, uh, there are authors that I definitely follow, um, and would read. You know the serial number in their underwear if i if that's all i had available but i mean it, there's <laughs> there's you know also that crowd that i periodically dip in you know uh david baldacci for example i don't read everything he writes i i like some of his books so hmm? you know i think uh, i think you're right that, and then, and that's interesting by the way because the the sort of ongoing wisdom um given to independent authors is you know find your lane and stick to it if you want to succeed. Do you? How do you feel about that wisdom? I hated it when it came out of traditional publishing, and I feel sad that indie writers are adopting the same thing when they can have so much freedom. Yeah. Um, I think it's bogus advice. Um, if you, if you, I always go over to the music industry Yeah. and look at it that way. And, you know, if people gave the Beatles that advice, or let's, let's talk about somebody who's had a long career – the Rolling Stones. Yeah. If they, you know, stick to your lane. Well, the early Stones was, you know, that that British invasion stuff. It wasn't half the the interesting stuff that they did in the seventies, and it's right. certainly not like what they're doing right now. So, you know, go where, where your muse goes. Some readers will follow you, others won't. Yeah. But you're not going to hold on to them by writing the same old thing. I'm running into that with some of the writers I've read for years and years and years out of traditional publishing. Traditional publishing is getting so scared. They're yeah. making their bestsellers write the same thing over and over again. And I'm shedding people I've read for 30 years um, like at light speed. It's like I read this book. Oh, no, you, this is a rehash of a book you did 30 years ago. I don't want to read it again. Right. And I wish they would just relax and 
write whatever's on their mind. But yeah. so, I, I, as you can tell, I don't like that advice. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I, I don't know, I was kind of coming around to it, but I'm glad you clarified. Um, no, I actually, I, you know, I, there, I go back and forth on that, honestly, because I do know that if you are, for example, you, you know, we'll look at Lee Child. The dude only writes one character, one style of book. Um, you can't argue with his success. And there are those who, who claim that, you know, if you are focused on one type of story, one series, for example, then you're going to reach success faster. I, I think there may be some merit to that, but then there's that part of me that, that hates the idea of being locked into one type of story all the time. <laughs> so I, I admire what Lee has done. I yeah. really do. He, he went into this um, as a full-fledged adult with a lot of marketing experience behind him. He does a lot of experimental stuff inside the Reacher books. I mean, some of them are first-person, present tense. Some right. of them are first-person, past tense. Some are both. Some are set in the past. Some are set in Reacher's present. And he does a lot of really interesting stuff in all of that. But I couldn't do what he's doing. I, I tell people I have a hummingbird brain. And <laughs> I, the idea of alighting on something and staying there forever, it, it sounds like hell to me, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. So that is a personal thing. But I don't know. See, the question you have to ask, or at least I ask, is when people tell me you'll reach success faster if you do something this way, whatever that way is. First of all, what's the definition of success? Right. Um, what's the definition of faster? And then, because I have so much background in science, and you know, how do you know this? What's your constant? What did you... You know, what is your, how do you, what are you comparing it against? Right. How do you know how fast someone is going to hit their, their lane? You don't. Um, so um, I found that writers who succeed are the writers, by my definition, um, are the writers who end up doing what they want and following their heart. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be a, a twisted path and it's, it's hard to go down a twisted path, but you still and you never know that you're successful until you look backwards and you go, "Wow, I climbed a mountain and I didn't even realize I had." Right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I uh, that's a that's a great perspective and and actually good advice. I mean, you know, a lot of authors, uh, independent authors, uh, traditional authors, you, you guys have your own path, and God bless you. Um, the indie crowd, however, you know, they tend to start thinking of this in terms of a business and uh that's that's to me where things can kind of get a little skewed for them too because um most businesses diversify but authors tend to try to stick with one type of product and it's that's interesting <laughs> and, and so thinking of it that your way i think you know you're writing different stuff you may actually be diversifying so maybe that's the way to think of it well and then you got to look at it a whole bunch of careers, not just one. Um, right, right. For example, George Martin. And George got his start in the 70s. Wrote right. some classic science fiction. Wrote one of my favorite novels, which is Armageddon Rag, which pretty much tanked his career at the time. Um, <laughs> and he had to go to Hollywood to make a, make a living. And he kept his hand in writing short stories and doing the Wild Card series, which was which his loved. most series until Game of Thrones. But... He came at Game of Thrones. I remember going to science fiction conventions, seeing Dor George reading history books and Dorothy Dunnett, and um, you know, talking about this big project he was going to work on. 
he didn't talk about, oh, I'm going to write a big fantasy series because big fantasy series are hot. Yeah. He talked about how passionate he was for this, how nobody had ever done this kind of fantasy series and made it realistic. And, um, you know, it started out as a well-pushed series, which he got some money for, enough that he could leave Hollywood again. But it wasn't huge until HBO bought it. So, you know, at what point do you point to George's success and say, because he wrote, because he stuck with Game of Thrones, then um, he's successful. That's not really what happened. And so, you know, if you look at that, if you look at Stephen King, if you look at a whole bunch of other writers, you see that they do a whole bunch of things. My, yeah. my favorite example is a mystery writer um, who was an archaeologist. Her name is Barbara Mertz. She's no longer with us. Hmm. Um, she wrote some classic books of archaeology. She wrote a book on Rome that I absolutely love. Um, and she also writes mysteries, wrote mysteries as Barbara Michaels and Elizabeth Peters, both of whom were New York Times bestsellers. Huh. And I really love the Barbara Michaels books. I really hate the Elizabeth Peters books. They're the same author. <laughs> um, and, you know, equally successful. Um, yeah. Big following. So if you told her, you know, stick with one, honey, um, she wouldn't have had the success she had. Yeah. I am very encouraged by this conversation because, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, because I, well, and the, the biggest reason is this is something that I, I personally have, have kind of bumped my head against. And, you know, when you talk to people who are, uh, you know, sort of achieving at the level you want to achieve at um, in this industry and they're telling you, you know, stop, stop writing cross genre uh, because that's what's hurting you, you know. It, it, it starts to get to you, uh, and, you know, because I've written science fiction. I just finished a, a the last of a of a YA fantasy series, you know, uh, in between writing thrillers, which is kind of my full time. You know, that's what I write now is is thrillers because I enjoy them, but I can't walk away from these other stories that I just love. And so, you've uh, you've eased my guilt burden a little, I think. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Uh, I think the other thing you have to understand. As a writer, and I, and I think you may want to bring this back up in your head, you, writers confuse the creative process and the critical process, Yeah. Um, the business process. The business process has no business being in your creative process, yeah. none, zero. You should even have separate desks if you possibly can. If you have a big enough house, have separate rooms. I'm talking to you from my business office right now, which is one floor above my writing office. Okay. Yeah, and I, I think about things in that way. I keep them completely separate. But the other thing I think helps writers the most when I'm teaching is to recognize that your creative self is a two-year-old. Yeah. And if you've ever been around two-year-olds, you know that they are completely out of control and often will do things that they're not supposed to do or, you know, you put a rule on them. They Their job as a two-year-old is to learn what the rules are. Right. And... They don't like it. That's why you see two-year-olds more than anybody else in a restaurant screaming or running around or doing something weird and funny. And you and you turn to a friend and you go, "I'm glad that's not my kid," <laughs> <laughs> because you know that's that's your creative self. Yeah. And if you think of all these rules as the parents and everything else that come at you so that you can survive in society, you have this understanding of what's going on. So. If you're, you know, you let your two-year-old be your two-year-old in your right. writing office. Let it do what it wants. If it wants to 
do what I saw a two-year-old do a couple of years ago, which is pull off all its clothes and throw them down a sewer drain, fine, let it do that. <laughs> um, you know, but then when you're done, then you deal with the consequences, and the consequences are how do you market it, how do you sell it, what what should you you know, do with it? Should you just set it aside for a short term until you've got the right timing done? Right. That's the other thing. I think indies are in such a hurry. And there are times when you take it slow and you go, okay, like I'm doing right now with this series, parts of it are coming out because they're standalone novellas, but the rest of it, um, I, I want to wait till it's done. And then I can figure out what's the best way to promote it because I yeah. don't know exactly what it is yet. Yeah. My team hasn't given me all of it yet. So, I don't know if it's huge. I don't know if it's big or or smaller than I thought. I, yeah. I have no idea. So it's hard to market until I'm, it's done. Yeah, that's um, you, you. You just asked everybody to do probably the hardest thing that they could possibly do, <laughs> which is because we are trigger happy folk, man. We like to. As soon as that book's done, we we barely tolerate the editing. We'll we'll put it up on Amazon. We'll put it up on Draft Digital. <laughs> So that, but it is ex excellent advice. And I, you know, I've given that kind of advice to, to people in the past, uh, having not followed it myself, I'm such a hypocrite, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you know, if you're going to, that is honestly, from a marketing perspective, that's the best way to go. Cause first of all, you know, exactly what the whole thing looks like, you know, exactly how to position it because you can, you can start leaking those books out one at a time with teasers for things that are down the road. And, and get people really worked up about it. From a marketing standpoint, it's just the best way to do it. But man, is that hard. <laughs> it is hard. But it's also better for you from a from a creative perspective. Yeah. Because you're done. And when you're done, then you're less invested in the project. So right. if you're, you know, you got book two done of a five book series and the reviews start coming in because you were one of those people who went out and asked for reviews and you're silly enough to read them. Yeah. Um, and they're, you know, half the people love it and half the people hate it. The only thing you're going to pay attention to is the people who hate it. That's just the that's just human nature. Yeah, that's true. So that's going to kill part of the project right there, and it's going to kill a lot of your joy in the project. And you don't want to do that. So yeah. once it's done, it 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 goes from being a baby to being a widget, and you can actually sell the widget. I mean, you're still going to have some ties to it. You're going to go, I worked very hard on this. I really care about it. But you're not going to have that passion that you have when you're in the middle of it, right. where it's everything, and that. That gives you some perspective that allows you to market it properly, that allows you to think about it properly, and it kind of gives you permission to move on to something else, too, which yeah. is nice. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. I, I love that, actually. I, I I don't plan to write it. it was, everything I'm writing now is kind of a ongoing series that I don't really do in arcs like that, but maybe I should. <laughs> maybe I should do <laughs> sagas. <laughs> no, I like series where you can come in on book 23 and yeah. go wow I love this and then go back to book one and, yeah. and eat all your way which is what I do in my, my Chris Nelscott mystery series Yeah, but it's my science fiction series are just giving me hell right now <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. you know you know why I started doing this I, I started doing this with my I have a series uh, Dan Kotler thrillers the protagonist Dan Kotler and uh I started that specifically so that I wouldn't have to keep up with an ongoing story arc per se so that people could come in at any book because everything I'd written to date was, 
you know, uh, an art, it was a finite series. And so I, I was kind of tired of that and uh, wanted something new. So, <laughs> and it's working out so far, but. Um, it's fun, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool, I, I will admit, because I could write a book that's set sometime, you know, in the distant future of the whole thing if I needed to, um, and come back and fill in the gaps in between, you know, so there's there's lots of ways to play with it, so. Uh, anyway, the, you're, <laughs> you're prolific, so uh, it, it's very interesting to talk to, to authors like you, because, uh, you know, I've got maybe 40 or so, I think maybe 43 at this point, I got a number of books out there, uh, but like you and Dean, I mean, you guys, like hundreds and hundreds of books, man. How are you managing your time and, and doing that? I write every single day and I have, I'm pretty, pretty good at the keyboard. I put in a, a pretty big chunk of words, but man, you guys blow me away. <laughs> and part of it is you've been doing it a little longer than I have, but not that much longer. So what's your big secret? <laughs> Which part of it? Managing the inventory or getting the words down? You know, well, let's talk about managing the inventory. What do you mean by that? Well, one of the criticisms of my blog that I find extremely amusing is comes from people who say, well, I looked at her books on Amazon and none of them are in the top 10. And I'm like, "Uh, how do you know that I haven't seen a list? I don't know. I've got 400, roughly 400 titles out there. Um, So managing the inventory is kind of a nightmarish thing. And, um, you know, we constantly have to be revisiting it and yeah. doing that stuff. And uh, I work with WMG on that because they've done my entire backlist. And, and fortunately, they're, they're doing it. But, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people yeah. working on keeping track of what's going on. And now we're rebranding some series and moving to something else. And then, you know, Amazon changes its al- – not its algorithms, but, you know, it, its quality thing. And you got to yeah. put that – when you guys came on board, you – with draft additional you had a whole different standard which we said wow that's a much better standard so we moved <laughs> that and uh, we just fell in love with what you guys were doing Thank so you. managing the inventory is a big deal and i could spend i could quit writing right now and continue to make money by making everything you know seem new or marketing yeah. it different or everything else and uh, i don't want to do that right so um you know i just keep creating new stuff and and i get help keeping track of everything as best as possible. Yeah. Um, and uh, let me, those of you starting out who are listening to this, keep good notes about what everything's about. Because if you wrote it 25 years ago, you're not going to remember what that story <laughs> no. is no. about. Uh, like, you're <laughs> so if somebody says to you, oh, do you have a, a, a pirate story? You might, but no, you, right. you're going to <laughs> I, I released a book. Uh, I had a book drop on on Friday last week, and I don't think I remember everything it's about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just like, oh, no. So, you know, there's that. So keep track of it, folks. Yeah. Um, on the writing side, um, I, I said to Dean yesterday, because I was reorganizing a whole bunch of stuff, trying to figure out what I was going to do for the next half of the year. Um, I usually do that on June 1st, but I ended up doing it earlier because I'm trying to get this series plotted. Um, I said, I can't die. And he looked at me and he's like, damn straight, you can't die. And I'm like, that's not a lot. I've got too many projects and I'm not getting to them fast enough. I can't die. Yeah. It's just, it's not going to work. Um, I try to get uh, 3,000 words a day done. Right. Minimum. New words, not old words, are not rewrite. I don't. 
I really don't rewrite much. Um, so it's new words um, and more if possible. Yeah. And then I do some of the other business stuff when I'm done, but I don't do that until I'm done unless, you know, there's something blowing up in the email or something that I have to deal with immediately. Right. Um, my phone, my, I'm like the only person on the planet whose cell phone doesn't live in my, my, in my pocket. It's in the kitchen when I'm writing um, so that I'm not paying attention to the 50 emails and the 85 messages that I'm getting. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I will admit my phone is probably a weakness. I should probably, you know, freeze it in a chunk of ice or something. You know? uh, I, I keep it in a separate room. And so that every time I get up to get another cup of tea or, you know, go to the bathroom or something, I do check my phone. Yeah. But it's not – when Dean's out of town, I keep my phone in my office. And it's really annoying because then I realize how many messages I get. So I'm writing along three three paragraphs, bang, something happens. I have oh, to yeah. Look. And that just – it really breaks the flow of what you're doing. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, I, I am constantly refining my work habits so that I can get my word count minimum done for the day. And uh, then I can move on to other things if I want to. Often I don't. And if I'm really going, I go way past the word count, which is nice. Um, I, I don't do it on a project basis because then I'll dither. I have to yeah. do it on a work basis. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. I, I was at a uh, writer's conference uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh, didn't check my email while I was there and had like 1,200 emails when I <laughs> left. So <laughs> I apparently check email a lot more frequently than I thought. All right. Well, you know, I, I we're at time and I, you're super busy and uh, you got plenty of words to write. So I don't want to keep you from any of that. So uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap up. But uh, so where's the best place for people to find you and your work online? Um, ChrisWrites.com. ChrisWrites.com. K-R-I-S, W-R-I-T-E-S.com. It's my website. All right. It, and... It's a mess, I hate to tell you folks, because it's been around <laughs> since actually like 2000. It's not so that it's bad. It looks tons good. Of comments. Well, it's not the kind of writer, if you want to find out like about the diving series, you can go to um, the diving, divingintotherec.com and, and stuff. I have, the series have their own websites, but which are static, and, and you can find out about the series themselves. But the website itself just kind of is, it's got a free fiction every Monday, and it's got the free blog every Thursday, and it's got a whole bunch of other stuff. So come go. on over. We're having a good time over there. <laughs> it, ser- it serves its purpose well. All right. So, okay, well, I, I have to tell you, I really appreciate you being on. Uh, it, you know, you're, you are, and I know people say things like this all the time. They often don't really mean it. I mean it. You're actually a joy to talk to. Um, I'm so glad that we were able to connect. So thank you for being on. Did I lose you? <laughs> Great. Okay. All right. Well, we had a little glitch there. So uh, I appreciate you being on. Everyone, uh, please stick around. We'll do a quick wrap up at the end of the show. And uh, otherwise, I'll, I'll talk to all of you next week. Take care. And sorry about the little technical glitch at the end there. Uh, I don't remember exactly what happened. I think there was just kind of a, a dropout. But and see, I leave that stuff there just for you. <laughs> so that you can hear you can hear it's a warts and all show folks I, I like for you to hear what goes on in the background see what happens um not a, every, you know things don't just go perfect all the time actually you know that's a that's a kind of a good philosophy to live by by the way um your mistakes can be art 
<laughs> That's the way I see it anyway. Uh, we'll see. Uh, and if you got an opinion on that, by the way, let me know. Um, just real quick housekeeping stuff, just, just to wrap things up. Uh, <clears throat> first of all, I want to thank everybody that's been supporting me on Patreon and elsewhere. Um, if you want to support the show financially, please do reach out to um, go to wordslingerpodcast.com, click on the Patreon logo. And from there, you'll be able to, uh, you can contribute any amount you like. Uh, and it is very helpful. I use the uh, funds that come in from Patreon to cover sort of the overhead of the show, uh, particularly to, to just buy new things. If I need new equipment or whatever, um, it comes from uh, that account. So that's, uh, and I haven't really needed a lot of new equipment uh, recently, but you never know. Sometimes things go wrong. <laughs> Uh, or if I want to try out a new service or if I want to, you know, something to improve the production quality of the show, um, it it helps to have that little bit of reserve. So I appreciate that. You can also support the show by going to iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, anywhere where you're downloading and listening to the show. Leave me a review. If you go on iTunes in particular, um, it's very helpful to me. Uh, That's where most people are discovering the show. So if you go on iTunes, uh, search for Wordslinger Podcast, they don't make this easy, but if you if you dig around enough, you can find where you can uh, rate the show uh, from one to five stars. I would love, you know, four or five stars if you don't mind. That'd be great. And uh, you can also write a review for the show, which uh, when I get those, I read them on air. Um, if you don't want me to, just let me know. But uh, that hasn't happened yet, so I think most people are okay with it. But the the uh, thing about the reviews, um, they help other people discover the show and you know answer a few questions ahead of time on you know, what the content's like, what, what, what the experience is going to be like. So uh, very useful, very helpful. And uh, you know, getting people to find the show is kind of a big deal because you know not only do I want people to listen in, um, but the content of the show is usually very helpful, particularly to uh, you know new authors and entrepreneurs. Any author, really, if you're an author at all, I'm hoping you're getting a lot out of this. I, I try to vary the type of people that I talk to and not just talk to the same folks uh, everyone else is talking to over and over again. I want you to to get more out of your um, podcast listening experience <laughs> and out of your career. Um, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs in this show who are not directly connected to or affiliated with uh, indie publishing, so... Uh, which has made this a little difficult to market, by the way. It's, it's tough to tell people what the show is about because it's not, strictly speaking, an author podcast. Uh, it's more of a um, it's a behind-the-scenes look, really, of, of how, uh, how people think, how they work, how they, how they accomplish the things they accomplish. And I'm a big fan of looking at other industries uh, and, uh, and other success stories and finding a way to translate that into your own uh, business, especially for authors. You know, we borrow a lot these days from internet marketing, which uh, until until we started doing that, it was a whole different game for a lot of authors. And now it's sort of second nature to use these uh, marketing methods. But there's a lot more out there we can we can experience and learn from, and uh, that's that's part of what the Wordslinger podcast is all about. So thanks for your support on that. <clears throat> now um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'll probably just go ahead and wrap things up. Um, I hope everyone is having a really safe and happy uh, life experience in general. But you know, we've had we just came off of the Fourth uh, of July holiday here in the U.S. Uh, so you know, I'm glad I didn't hear a ton of uh, stories about people being 
you know, hurt <laughs> during that. So I'm grateful for that. Um, but you know, as we move through summer, you know, kids are, we're going to be getting kids back into school pretty soon. Um, you know, a lot of things are happening. A lot of vacations are happening. I just want to make sure everybody's being safe out there, taking care of yourselves. Uh, Kara and I are traveling a lot more. We're not getting to use the RV as much, ironically, but we are traveling a lot more. Uh, so, you know, it, I, I, my mind is always on s- this sort of safety consciousness <laughs> about traveling. So, uh, but I want to make sure everyone's okay. Anyway, take care of yourselves out there. I'm hoping you're having a wonderful summer. I hope you're enjoying yourselves. Uh, it's really hot in the Houston area. Uh, so I'm kind of glad I'm heading for Colorado and, uh, can't wait to, can't wait to get up in the mountains. I'm going to do a little bit of hiking and stuff while I'm up there. So that would be great. Uh, anyway, if you have questions, uh, please feel free. You can, uh, you can call me. Uh, that's one way to reach the show. Call 281-809-WORD. That's 281-809-9673. You can also go to wordslingerpodcast.com. Click on the send voicemail tab that is floating on the right-hand side of your screen. You get about a minute of, uh, of, uh, call time on that. So click over and, uh, and leave me a one minute message. Um, you know, tell me what you like about the show. Ask me a question. Ask a question for a guest. Whatever is on your mind, I'm I'm here to listen. And you can also contact me via email. If you go to wordslingerpodcast.com, you can click on the contact button. Leave me leave me an email. Um, there are also some options there to gauge your interest in something. Uh, you know, whether you'd like to book me for an appearance. Uh, maybe you have a suggestion for a guest. Uh, you know. Maybe you want to sponsor the show. I'm open to that. Uh, I have sponsors right now, but I can do that. So uh, go check that out. Let me know uh, what you what your questions are, what you'd like to say. Uh, say something nice. That's that's good too. Love that. And uh, of course, the best way to support me and my work is to buy my books. <laughs> and I uh, I will n- I am never going to be ashamed to ask you to do that. Uh, if you're a fan of fiction at all, uh, I do write quite a bit of it. I am. Uh, I used to write sci-fi and fantasy. These days I write thrillers, which I actually am uh, coming to enjoy quite a bit more. I've got a new one coming out. Uh, you can pick up my first two full-length thrillers right now from uh, uh, the uh, books page. Um, they're available. Well, I'm not ready to announce this yet, but... Uh, <laughs> There are some changes coming, um, but you can uh, you can pick those up there. Uh, the Quelo Medallion and the Atlantis Riddle are both of the Atlantis Riddle. Let me say this right: the Atlantis Riddle, both available on the website. You can also pick up the Brass Hall, which is a um, a prequel of sorts, a novella based on the same thriller series. The new thriller coming out is The Devil's Interval. That's going to be releasing pretty soon. It's another Dan Kotler thriller. You can also pick up uh, any of my other books. Evergreen's very popular. Uh, the series I co-author with uh, Nick Thacker is The Lucid, which you can find online. And uh, anything else you're interested in. So whole bunch of books, lots of uh, lots of things that you can explore. If you like any of it, let me know. Send me a note. Uh, write me a review. Uh, ask me questions, whatever, whatever makes you happy. I'm all about making you happy. If you're in the nonfiction crowd, authors in particular, I do offer 30 day author, which is a, uh, very short, very quick, easy read actually, but it's all about developing your daily writing habit. Uh, and I do give you a process and a formula for writing a book in 30 days or less, uh, or any time frame you want really. So if you're just kind of getting into writing, uh, if you're looking at this and you're, you're thinking this might be the career for you, Uh, That's a great book to pick up, so check it out, 30 Day Author. All right, 
that's it for me. And uh, that's it for us this week. I hope you enjoy your weekend ahead. God bless each and every one of you. And uh, I'll see you next time. Slinger.